Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for the marvel of your living and active word that comes to us in our time of need and brings our souls to life. Bring our souls to your abundant life today, we pray, with a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So two Fridays ago, after filling up my car with gas at a sheet station, I had a very profound experience of God's grace. Maybe I should say a little bit more, (laughs) since that doesn't always happen at gas stations. After filling my tank at the uh, station over at Oregon Pike and Eden Road, I hit the button for my receipt and I found out that the dispenser was out of paper. And so, uh, being a rather particular person, I jumped into our car to find a pen to write down the amount, and then I got distracted by an incoming text. After that, I turned on the car and began to drive away, and that's when I suddenly heard a very loud thwack and saw in my side mirror that the nozzle was still in the gas tank, but not for long. (laughs) As my car moved forward, the hose ripped off of the top of the pump tore the nozzle out of my gas tank. I was watching this in my side view mirror, by the way. And all of this with great force. You can ask Jay Parrish how this works. But the force propelled it forward. And by the time I hit my brakes, jumped out of my car, all of this contraption was under my front left wheel. Really. Now, what do you think I did next? (laughs) Well, what we always do when something like this happens, I jumped out and looked to see who might be watching (laughs) my complete idiocy. And then I sheepishly went into the sheet station to make my confession to a very young attendant. And then, to my great surprise, he looked at me He smiled and he said, don't worry, it happens all the time. (laughs) You're not the first one. Let's go outside and I'll take care of it, he said. And then on the way out, he explained that these hoses have a special breakaway joint designed for folks just like me. (laughs) Later, as I drove away for the second time, I was uh, suddenly overcome by the grace of that attendant. You know, grace, it's been said, is often what we need most when we deserve it the least. God's grace is what we need the most 
when we deserve least. Amen? And that young man had actually helped me to see the face of God. Because after all, God sees all of us making foolish mistakes all the time. Amen? We're never the first one. Sin happens. And because of God's great and lavish love for us, God forgives us, extends grace, and helps us to set things right again. Helps us to set things right again. You know, throughout the Bible, we find different Scripture writers struggling with a very particular question. How can we help people to see a world where God's guidance is always available for us to live as God intends, and where God's grace is always available when we fail, because we will? Now, all of these scripture writers could just simply set down, write down a set of rules and regulations for us, but that never ends up working very well, does it? They know we'll only focus on doing the bare minimum and never catch God's beautiful, expansive kingdom vision for life. So instead... These scripture writers use lavish metaphors and similes and stories to awaken our imagination. I mean, my goodness, think about all the wonderful word pictures that we've been focusing on and hearing from scripture these past weeks here at Chestnut Street. People throwing their nets out into the deep. A river flowing right out of the temple. And a well filled with living water. And so that's what's happening, dear friends, in Psalm 1. In our call to worship today, we hear the psalmist taking his turn, giving it a go, trying to answer that question. And so the psalmist says, Happy are those who delight in the Torah of God. Torah here in our NRSV is translated law from Hebrew, but it also can be faithfully translated instruction. Happy, blessed are those who meditate on God's instruction day and night, from Scripture, from prayer, from our conversations with each other, from promptings by the Holy Spirit, and even from our experiences at a gas station. Those who open, who are open to God's instruction are like trees planted by streams of water which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves never wither. 
They are rooted and grounded. They grow and they flourish because they are connected to the source of life and God's endless supply of grace. You know, 30 years ago, and I just remembered this walking here to church, 30 years ago when I was in my mid-20s, this song convicted me like no other. You see, my parents had just gotten divorced and my world had been shaken and rocked to its very foundations. Until then, I'd spent eight whole years scoffing at God, scoffing at church, scoffing at faith as nothing but a bunch of wishful thinking. I was doing just fine by myself, thank you very much. That is, until I wasn't. And I was especially stunned to discover myself even mentioned in the first verse of verse of Psalm 1. Happy are those who don't sit in the seat of scoffers. Because I'd been a scoffer for eight years. And in our time of great vulnerability, Danette and I finally realized we needed to be planted by God's stream in the good soil of a faith community like never before. And then in our next reading, Jeremiah 17, we hear the prophet now taking his turn perhaps even building on Psalm 1. Did you hear all the echoes between these two passages? My goodness. Jeremiah says, those who place their trust in themselves, who turn away from God and try to be self-sufficient. Ever tried to do that? Tried to be self-made. Tried to be self-righteous. You're nothing like a but a shrub. <laughs> I love that. You're nothing but a shrub in the desert barely surviving in a parched landscape. Instead, blessed are those who trust in the Lord. They are like trees planted by water, sending out their roots. What a beautiful image. Sending out their roots by the stream. When the heat comes, they're not fearful. When the drought comes, they're not anxious. God's grace flows from an endless source. Even in their hardest times, even in their hardest times, they continue to be fruitful. In recent years, this image of being planted by God's stream has become the central image that we reflect on every time we have an exploring membership retreat. As we meditate upon Psalm 1 together as a group, we discover that it is asking us a very deep and important question. And the question is, where do you want to be planted? Where do you want to be planted in this life? 
in a parched and lonely place, or in the fertile community or the fertile soil of a community beside God's stream. I've recently been challenged by something that Nadia Boltz-Weber adds to this mix. She shares it in one of her books. You may know her. She's a Lutheran pastor and author and spoke last year at a Parish Resource Center event. Just like we do, she meets with newcomers and invites them to share all the wonderful things that have drawn them to her church. This is the best part for a pastor, by the way. You know, the great singing, the community, the loving acceptance. Maybe they'll even throw in the good preaching sometimes. But then at the end, Nadia tells them this. Although you think our church is really special right now, and completely different from any other church you've ever been to, I want you to know something. Sooner or later, we're going to really, really disappoint you. It's not a matter of when, it's a matter of if. No, I didn't say that right. (laughs) You knew what I meant, right? It's a matter of when, not if. We're going to let you down. And I'm certainly going to say something stupid sometime that really hurts you. And then she says this. I invite you right now to decide to stay planted here after that happens. Because if you leave after we disappoint you, you're going to miss seeing the grace of God coming in and filling the holes left by our community's failure. You're going to miss it all. And that grace is just too beautiful to miss. God's grace being made perfect in our weakness. Finally, in our gospel reading from Luke 6, we don't find any word pictures about trees planted by streams, do we? What connects Luke, the passage in Luke, with the two others is that all of them contain at least one beatitude. Did you notice that? Psalm 1, happy are those. Jeremiah 17, blessed are those who trust in the Lord. And then in Luke, there's four of them. Jesus gives us four, including blessed are the poor. And friends, all week I've been struggling with that last one. I mean, come on, Jesus. Not being able to pay the heating bill? Living in shabby apartments? 
moving your kids all the time from one school to another to find a job? What's so blessed about being poor? Well, one of the big differences between the rich and the poor is that the poor already know their need for God. And the rich often don't. One of the best paraphrases I have ever heard for blessed are the poor and blessed are the poor in spirit is blessed are those who know their need for God. It's hard for God to work with those who don't know their need and much easier for God to work with those who do. And again and again, Jesus tells us that the coming of God's reign will always include the poor being lifted out of their misery. Chestnut housing is a sign of God's kingdom because the poor are being lifted out of their destitution. The coming of God's reign will always be good news to the poor and to the vulnerable. And when the kingdom of God happens, who's likely to be most receptive? The rich who have so much to lose or the poor who have everything to gain? You see, when we're rich... And I count myself among the 1% if we think globally. And when we're white, and when we're privileged, when we're male, when we're straight, it's so easy to grow comfortable with the way the world is right now. The unjust status quo instead of being open to the grace-filled kingdom that God is bringing. Blessed are those who know their need for God. These last weeks have been a very challenging time for us as a congregation. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling more aware of my need for God's grace than ever before. I know that my roots need to keep reaching down to God's stream and reaching out to each of you like never before. As a recovering perfectionist, someone who loves to be competent, and in control, it's a very uncomfortable place to be in right now. Maybe you feel the same way. But our scriptures urge us to stay planted here where we are right now, to hang in there with each other, because it's our times of brokenness and vulnerability in these times that we are often most accessible to God and to each other most accessible to God's grace, most receptive to God's transformation, most open to God's grace being made perfect 
in our weakness. I've been having conversations with many of you, and I've been deeply moved to hear some of you say basically the same thing to me. I'm staying planted here in this community because this is where I have experienced God. Not because we're a perfect church, but this community is where I have experienced God. So friends, let us be like trees planted by God's stream together. When the heat comes, let us not be fearful. When the drought comes, let us not be anxious. Even in our hardest times, God will keep us bearing fruit together. Amen.